we have former professional rugby player um, who's now helping out the sport of rugby in a different way. So, Jeff, go ahead and introduce yourself and explain to the people uh, what you've been doing. Yeah, hi, uh, I'm Jeff uh, Griffith. So, uh, as Justin said, I used to be a professional, semi-professional rugby player um, quite a while ago, um, and I kind of ran out of talent at about the age of 25, started transitioning out of the game. Uh, but I realised I was running out of talent, um, started to transition out of the game, and I've kind of just used everything I learned in sport to kind of build a, a business. So I now am owner and CEO of a, um, a big digital marketing agency in London, in the UK. Um, but yeah, more recently sort of got involved with a bit of a passion project um, to build a, um, a, a, a structured course that helps athletes sort of structure their thinking when coming to the end of their career. So the idea was there's nothing really, you know, I think psychology is entering uh, more and more into the performance side of things and, and in performance, but what happens when that all disappears, right? Like, and there's actually very little out there. Um, and that's, that's kind of, I guess, what we're talking today. Yeah. And I think we both would agree that in sport, there's not as much resources for athletes as there should be. You know, it's, it's growing, but it's not where it should be. So let's start with athletes that are in sport. Um, how do you propose they get help and they get the support psychologically, mentally that they need so that way they can achieve the success that they want on the field? Yeah. So in, in sport, I think it's becoming a little bit more prevalent now. Like I think, I think people are understanding, like if you are going to go to the gym or you're going to work on the field or you're going to work on I don't know, rugby, like you're passing, you're kicking, like all of this stuff is like, well, if you're going to crumble when the bit of pressure comes on, or if you're going to not deal with setbacks well, which that's just what sport is. It's like constant ups and downs. Then you're probably going to be inhibiting your, your performance. So I think it is coming in a little bit more. Um, and certainly in the, in the elites, in the elite sort of level. Um, but I, I think even then is like, it's, it's inaccessible. It's kind of a big driver of why we built tackling transition. You know, this course is because, what do you even Google to get interested in this? You know, like, oh, I'm feeling this thing. What is it? How do you find that out? Like, it's it's really, really hard. So, yeah, I think it, within sport, there's massive hurdles as well. That's a really good point. And, like, how did people – did you try doing it yourself? What did you find? How did it kind of lead you down well, that I didn't battle? do anything in my career. <laughs> this, is, this is the whole thing. It's like I think you just – people just learn, don't they? They just learn to get through hardship or they learn – how to optimize their own performance from a psychological state. You, you, you begin, just the older you get and the, long, the more experienced you become, the more you understand yourself. And I think it's just a natural way for people to get better and better. So, but yeah, I, I, other than that, unless you've got loads and loads of money or, you know, and someone's, or, or someone's paying for you to get the provision through your club or through your organization, um, I think it's really, really hard. And I, I think it's, you don't get taught this stuff uh, you know, you'll all get taught form on how to bench or how to squat or whatever, but you don't get taught, I don't know, like what to, what to look at to understand, like how you feel about something or to, you know, how to recover from a setback or something. You, you just, the only way you can learn it is through experience. And I think that's a good thing because you get the experience, but also what can you do to be proactive on that as well? Um, cause it's like the Mike Tyson thing, isn't it? It's like, everyone's got a plan to get, to get punched in the face. Like don't wait till you get punched in the face, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you think that there's, you know, been anything just growing with the trends? Like, you know, you say over in UK, um, 
Can you, did you do any studying for the sports over here or is everything just kind of tailored to rugby or, um, you know, how do you see it branching off? In yeah, the future? so I built, we built the course, like it's very much like from a rugby standpoint. So the course basically consists of seven modules. So we break down what's going to happen to any athlete transitioning out of sport. And in each of those modules, there's a discussion, so a half hour discussion between me and my sister. So the other person on the course, my sister, who's a, who's a clinical psychologist, um, who's done lots of work with military veterans, uh, with people with sort of life-changing injuries and things like that. Um, and there's a discussion between her and myself where I kind of frame the challenge with each of these ideas, with each of these modules. And then in the course, we kind of get into more, more uh, like one-to-one exercises with, with Mikla. So she'll then do a guided exercise that teaches somebody how to approach their own thinking around a topic. But all of those big kind of episodes i guess they're all you know they all come from a rugby standpoint um so there's a, there's a there's a lens to it but equally i've had interest from football like from soccer i guess in your your language soccer uh like right <laughs> through to like ballerinas you know like it it, it, it yeah it's like it oh, really wow. is like applicable to anything because the the concepts involved are um they're 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 not specific to just rugby so the, the seven things we talk about are um, inevitability, so the fact that your career is going to end at some point, that nobody plays forever. Uh, loss is the second module, so you're essentially going to grieve in psychology language, but you're going to lose something when you retire. Third module is all about purpose and identity, so who you are versus what you do and kind of why you get out of bed in the morning, because that changes when you leave a sporting career. Uh, community. So often in team sports or even in individual sports, you have a you have a group of people around you that facilitate you being able to do what you do. Structure is the fifth one. So you are going to have a very structured life as a professional athlete. So I remember with mine, it was, you know, you're told what to eat, when, where to be, when to sleep, everything. Um, and obviously, if you were to transition very quickly, that gets ripped away, which is really damaging. Um, the sixth one is self-sufficiency. So how you can look after yourself having removed yourself from those environments. And then the seventh one is all about balance. So it's just looking at, it kind of brings the whole course together and says like, how do you get the balance between the rest of your life and what you used to do and how do those things interplay? Um, and that's kind of, the, that's basically the outline of the, of the course. So it, those things are just generic ideas, but we try and bring them, bring them to life for any athlete, whether they're team sport, individual sport, top of the, you know, top of the elite of the elite or you know, like I was like a second tier rugby player, basically. Um, but they second rate, <laughs> second rate's a better way to describe it. But yeah, never, never made the big time. But it's it's equally, you know, how do you be all in, but not all in? It's a really interesting sort of conundrum. So yeah. Um, not that sounds like it's something that, like you said, every athlete should be doing. Like, there's no reason why if you're an athlete, you're not doing it. Um, you mentioned your sister, and off air, you said that she was a psychologist, psychiatrist. Um, I don't know the difference between the two, but she's a professional working with um, essentially the brain. Talk about how that balance between having her and then your background in sport are able to kind of ping pong and bounce off each other to make this course even yeah, better. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I always said, like, she just brings all the credibility to it. That's that's what I said. Because <laughs> like, you know, I, like, I never made it. I'm just like a, I'm a nobody, like, you know, in, in a sporting sense. Uh, but I've kind of used all of the lessons from sport that I learned, both how to be managed and, and 
how I was managed and what I liked and didn't like and how my performance was monitored and improved or not. And I just use all of that to inform how I run my business now. And so I'm kind of coming at it from, well, I'm past the transition and I'm now into my second life. And so that's, that's really all I can do is provide a bit of context with what athletes might be experiencing. And then what Nicola's able to do is then take that information and then just transform it into, okay, well, here's what that means, like medically, clinically, that's what's going on with you. Um, and, and I think that what, what she's really good at is just reframing a real life problem into a theory and saying, that's how you think about it. And also so much of it is like what to Google. So like, we're really good, really keen on in every video, we will highlight the key things to go and like, if you need to go and like, look up like compassion focused therapy to help you deal with certain bits of it, it, you wouldn't ever, have you ever heard of that before? Like I hadn't before she said it and you know, it sounds a bit wishy-washy, but it isn't. Um, but it's that kind of trying to make it way more accessible. I think that's where she comes in. And then, you know, in those, in the guided exercises, she's just, you know, a consummate professional. So she's essentially running a one-to-one -one therapy session that would, you know, cost you, I don't know, like $200, I guess, in your money, like something like that to, to have that, um, as an actual therapy session. But the idea is she does it as a one-way thing. And we've sort of created worksheets and assets to allow people to kind of work through and just structure their thinking um, and, uh, and 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 run with it themselves. Basically, it's it's like it's all about empowerment, isn't it? It's it's about giving someone the tools, and that's what she's really good at. That's uh, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with you know in terms of that credibility and being able to you know blend the two. One of the questions hearing you talk that you know I was kind of wondering is. How do you know when the limitation is mental? Like, how do you know, okay, hey, physiologically, they're prepared. Again, you played sport before. You may have had those practice all-stars or the guys that were unbelievable and low pressure, but you go on the road and now all of a sudden they turn into a mental midget. How does this course go about addressing those mental midgets to being able to be like, Hey, you have all the tools physically, but this is how we're going to address it to fix it. So this, I mean, this is like mainly focused on people who are exiting the game, right? So it's oh, okay. that, but equally yeah. it's all, it's all, the, it's all applicable. They're all the same models really that apply to just helping someone increase their own self-awareness. So, you know, like the ability to, if you understand yourself better and you understand very objectively, like why something's gone well or hasn't, and you can pinpoint and attribute it to yourself or not, then what you're able to do then is just emotionally regulate. And that's like a massive, that's a massive thing. Just being able to look at something and objectively and either go, okay, I need to work on it or park it and disregard it and move on. So it, they're kind of all the same kind of skills, you know, in, in the course, but we're kind of trying to say, well, this is all about that transition period between ending your sport, which is going to happen. And, wherever you're trying to get to, you know, with your new life. So with that being said, this sounds like something that people should be, I mean, they, ideally they'd be kind of aware, kind of like you or, um, you know, like one of my buddies, like he, he made it to the last round of NFL cuts. He could have tried to keep sticking it out, but he might've just been like, Hey, you know, this course is for me. Like I'm not done yet, but I can kind of see the writing on the wall. I guess anybody that's smart enough to realize that they should take it, they maybe don't need it, but this could be something that people kind of on the twilight end of their year should be using in a transition that, period. That's probably no? where it's like most effective uh, as a, as a, almost like an emergency thing. Uh, but we kind of designed it to be 
um, applicable, like if you're 18 and starting out, or like, well, in, a, in our world, like 18, you know, you might be a young buck and you've been given your first professional rugby contract and you think you're going to like take over the world and all of this uh, and you might not do. And so actually with this, in some ways, the earlier you start, the better. Equally, you could have gone all the way past transition and like had some amazing feedback from people that kind of transitioned out of the game not quite when I did, but like after and have been out of the game for a few years. And they were like, actually, this has really helped me understand like why I'm not letting go of certain things or like why I'm, I don't know, like why I feel certain ways about things or why I approach things in my actual life in different ways. So we kind of designed it to be applicable at any time. It, you know, you could be years retired or you could be right at the start of your career. The silly thing is, is that the, the when you're 18 and you're just like, you've got the spring in your step and you're like, you know, you don't think about it because you just think you're invincible and all of this. Yeah. I don't need yeah. this stuff. That's for the old yeah, heads. I'm gonna, it's okay. Cause I'm just going to make it to the big time. But it's like how many people make it to the big time, you know? And then what does that mean for them? <clears throat> One of the things I also thought about is you're talking about it, it when you talked about the fact of like, okay, it's rugby. Um, I instantly thought about, okay, football, ice hockey, maybe, you know, a lacrosse over here. You think there's any role that these contact sports and maybe you know concussion, brain? Do you guys dive into any of that, or like how much would the fact that the contact sports be really affecting the that limited self belief? Or anything? we don't dig into it to be honest. We don't dig into it. I think it's like that's such a case by case thing, right? Like we've got all this stuff over here, in particular in rugby. Obviously, you've had the big NFL court cases around concussion. Um, like there are links to it, but it's very individual. And yeah, I'm, I'm not qualified to talk about that really. This is more about, you know, assuming everything's all good and you're, you know, you're, you're progressing in your, your career. And, you know, I guess the, I guess the, the people that is really designed for is what, what, what we're trying to protect against is like, you're destined for the stars and then you blow your knee. Hmm. That's it. And we kind of, we, we have this thing that we call the transition matrix where you've got two axes where one is, uh, whether it's, whether your retirement is forced or whether you decide to do it and whether you've done any planning. So you've done no planning or you've planned it fully. And obviously what you want to be is the top right where you've decided to retire and you've planned everything. But like how many people do that? Like very, very few. And that's the thing is I was sort of one of the people I actually did that, but I was lucky cause I wasn't very good. So that was all right but if you're if you're really good and you've done no planning and then and then like say you blow a knee and it, it, you never get back then actually the effect of losing your whole community support network uh like the the ability to look after yourself you have your structure ripped away you don't see it coming that's very very damaging and so what this is trying to do is just try and move people out of that bottom left worst case scenario on the matrix where you haven't planned it and you forced to retire up to the point where you've done some planning and you understand the impact of being forced to retire and you can manage it. How do you help those people move to that quadrant in the course without giving it away? Obviously, well, but, give it away. Know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of, uh, like I said, we try and give like the real life examples of what, what, what I went through and then Nicola will do these exercises to help someone understand themselves just help raise their own self-awareness so let, let me think of like one of them it's like one of the exercises that i think is really interesting is around in the self-sufficiency module there's this, this model called the locus of control 
And it's all about where do you place attribution for things that happen, right? And so as an athlete, say you get to world number one in your sport and you decide that it was you, it was all you that did that and there was no luck, right? That's one end of a, that's one end of a thing. And that might like breed certain traits and characteristics, but it might create a type, certain type of person. Whereas if you're the other end of that spectrum and you made no, world number one, you might be like, oh, it was pure luck. It was nothing to do with me. And like, that might have different, different impacts. When we talk about how your locus of control when you're in a, in a sporting environment is, again, it's just very individual. It can be based on like yours would be very different to mine and it would be different by situation. And just the very act of helping someone understand that means that they're already armed to go, oh, I'm, that's why I'm fucking livid about this thing is because it's out of my control, but I prefer things to be in my control. As like one example, so like I think I spoke about like, so I would always go to the gym on a Friday before a game. So we play on a Saturday and Friday is usually the rest day. And I'd go to the gym on the Friday and I would do this ridiculous workout, which is like no good for anyone. Uh, pure ego. It was like basically like guns and globes, like a bit of chest, just basically it, it had no impact on me physiologically in any kind of good way, but it just made me feel really good. And I woke up in the morning, I was a bit sore. I was like, right, you know, I'm ready to play the game. And it doesn't matter what the game, if I had a good game or a bad game, the whole point is that my locus of control was I'd taken control of this. And I was like, well, if I get that session in, I'll play better. And so I'd wake up in the morning and I'd feel better, despite the fact it wasn't the right thing for me to do. I'd approach the game differently. I'd be more physical. I'd feel like I was being more physical, more powerful. Whereas the Fridays I didn't do that, I'd be all edgy because I'd be like, oh, fuck, like, why haven't I, I don't feel like big, I don't feel powerful, what's going on? And it would have had absolutely no impact on my game, really. And it's just unpackaging that kind of stuff is very, very valuable because if that didn't exist, or if I could rationalise it when I was playing in my career, like, I'd never have done that stupid thing that had, was no good for me, and it would have had an impact, but you get into these habits as humans, don't we? So, um, yeah. You know, you talked about some of your own examples. What were some things that maybe you saw teammates doing that looking back and like, ah, you're doing something similar? I think the biggest one is like, I think the biggest one is is not facing up to the inevitability of ending a career. I think that's like the big, it's very generic and it's broad, but a lot of, if you look at people who, uh, I don't know, particularly in rugby, but it's in any sport, is you get a lot of people who end up in either coaching or management positions in the sport because they kind of had no other place to go, right? So what's interesting is you, I, I, the, the, the example I often kind of cite is like, if, um, like for every, let's say like, I don't know, two in 10 elite rugby players become coaches in rugby or something. I don't know what the number is, but I like say that happened. The question is like, if they really understood themselves, how many of them would have gone on to be like, instead of doing that, they could have become like an author or an artist or like, a CEO or whatever. And I, I think, especially over here in rugby, it's like loads of boys will end up in finance or insurance or something like that. And it's, again, it's like a very well-trodden path because of the rugby network, but that, that's just an outcome because the rugby network exists. It's not because those people understood themselves enough to say, I'm going to go over here and do this thing. So when I transitioned out, I was like, what do I, what do I value and what do I appreciate from sport? And what did I like about it? And I liked things like, you know, I lived or died, my contracts lived or died on my own performance. As an idea, as a value, and something that I, I kind of value, 
that's a thing I love. And then you compare that to owning a business, where it's kind of like, well, if it doesn't work, like who's it on? Well, me. So, and I can only get to that because I went through the journey I went through. And so what we're trying to do is help people get that clarity of understanding. So, you know, like, why do I go to work now? Like, I love being part of a team and I love creating a culture. And that's like a massive thing in rugby is that you have, you know, it's all about the camaraderie. You win together, you lose together. And these are like core things that really inform what I do now as a CEO. So, and I kind of just ended up there by existing. <laughs> I've just kind of like gone on the journey. And so I kind of, we kind of built this to be like, well, what if everyone were able to start to understand those things in the middle of their career, you know, that's, that's what we do you think, do you think there's any difference between like the God gifted best athletes and the ones that kind of had to grind for it in terms of their ability to transition easier or harder? That's a really good question. I, I think, I think the ones that had to grind for it, I think they're going to naturally have done more on themselves right like they've if they have to know they have to grind then they're more then they're going to be self-aware enough to know that things don't come easily and it you know i was never the best rugby player in the world obviously and you know i kind of got to got to the level i got to a lot, a lot of it was just hard work i was like physically decent nick all that kind of stuff I wasn't the best ball player in the world but i worked on the things that i i knew where i could add the value do you know what i mean and that's yeah. so I, I kind of I don't know, it's probably just, it's probably just me being, um, I'm probably quite biased on it, but I could, I could imagine if I was a world beater, I'd just be an awful human being. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing is I can't, you know, like I can't, I can't empathize with what that must be like. Um, but yeah, I'd say inherently you have to, the more you have to work on the skill side, you'd probably work on the, on the, on the mental side, just as a byproduct. You've said it before. Um, how much of it do you think people would be reluctant to this because like you said of the whole notion of wishy-washy and feely and like talk about that, that yeah I, I think that's getting broken down like i'm not a um i'm not a kind of a wishy-washy like soft kind of person i don't think uh but you know there's there's too many stories of where this has gone really badly wrong for people you know there's too many stories in all elite sport where it's ended with death basically and and so i think like if you start there it's not overly soft you, you can move backwards and it, this isn't about hand holding and kind of molly coddling at all and i think i, I was sort of so we actually have we embed psychologists clinical psychologists in built visible my company and we're a marketing agency right and the reason we do that is because it's we're, we're quite high performing you know we're quite a boutique kind of a, a specialist agency people pay us a lot of money to do what we do and that comes with pressures and it comes with um you know like demands basically and we embed psychologists in that organization because their ability to handle the stresses and the ups and downs of work will just make them unbelievably powerful in their careers and like so that benefits me now and visible now and it will benefit them in their careers and what's really interesting about it is i think the perception of doing that was like oh it's like soft like you're pandering like you know gen z all this type of thing <laughs> you know and like I'm, I'm an old goat so i'm like oh yeah whatever but i think the reality of it is that if you actually do it it's like fucking hard work because you have to look you just have to look in the mirror that's the thing like at the end of the day it's like you're just looking at yourself and you're deciding whether you're in control of what you're doing, whether you're 
regulating yourself, whether you're, um, I don't know, like you just have to be honest. And you, I think that's quite hard. And I don't think you, I don't think everyone does that every day. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's too wishy-washy. Certainly with what, with what the things we've pulled out is they're very, all the exercises, all the sessions that Nicola does are like, they're hard. Like you have to kind of put a bit of time aside and be like, right, I've got to really think about this. Um, yeah. I think you're right too, though. The more you have to look inside, like, you know, tying it again to athletics, like look inside, how well do you know the opponent? How well have you prepared yourself? And when you have to start to do that, you kind of, you start to learn about some things about yourself, but that then helps you ultimately on the field. So when you do this, it's going to ultimately help you for that transition. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? And it's like, we, again, it's like the, the soft mollycoddling thing is like, I think like, I don't know, particularly I, I, young, I run quite a young company and like people get very stressed and very worried about things that some, sometimes I think don't matter, you know, and like even understanding that sometimes things don't matter is a massive benefit. So like, if you're like you're saying, if you're, if you're training for something and you're, you know, you're, you're trying to perform at your best, it's as much about what you do as what you let go and don't worry about. You know, in terms of focus, and that you can only do that by just understanding yourself a little bit more. Um, so yeah, completely agree. <clears throat> Within that, have you noticed that there might be a difficulty for, you know, your niche is specifically rugby. Um, people coming from different clubs and without, you know, you're not going to name names of the clubs, but okay. If the coaches emphasized all these little things and, and then they, these guys now have no ability to let go because they've just been yelled at for years upon years of this matters, this matters, this matters, this matters. Like, has that been harder than um, any of the other cases or the people that have been, you know, in, in the course? What do you mean by that? Sorry. Like, okay, so, you know, if there's one style of coaches where they're just like, you know, on them about right, every yeah, little yeah. thing, like this fucking matters, this fucking matters. And then like now, like you said, they've just been let go and it's like, oh my God, is that athlete, former athlete, harder to transition than the ones that maybe the coaches were like, hey, you know what, you know, kind of figure it out, laissez-faire, uh, lack yeah, of a better term. It's such a good question because that it's introducing this variable that's going to be everywhere. And the, the whole thing about that is the course is designed to allow someone to separate themselves as much as possible from whatever context they're in. Right. So like you might just say coincidentally, the final rugby club you're at or the final like, like trainer you have or whatever is like super, super structured. Then say you have an injury that overnight ends your career. You're going to go from having a very highly structured environment day to day to absolutely nothing. And that's a, that's a big issue equally you might have someone who's very loose and kind of like, yeah, do what you want as the final club or trainer that you have. And then, and then you transition this and you kind of get to the same where you don't have that, or even you transition to a job that is very structured and then that's the reverse. Right. Hmm. Um, and the whole point is, is like, where's the agency in that in terms of your own ability to, to manage it? Because that's kind of the point of the course, I guess, is like, it shouldn't matter what environment you've come from if you're in control of your stuff you know like if you're if you've if you've empowered yourself mm. then it kind of takes the external factors out of the equation and i think that's like if you look at any any like high performing sportsman who makes a, a, a clutch play like they've just removed everything else they've just gone right it's me 
So I was like, I was re-watching The Last Dance the other day. And you see like Jordan just like making these shots. And he's just in his own way, just like bang, like nothing else around is really mattering to him. He's just so focused because he understands what he needs to do to get into the zone to perform optimally and then blocks everything else out. And I think that's kind of, yeah, kind of why, why it exists in a, in a pretty fundamental way because that's such a variable, isn't it? Like who knows what that looks like for someone. What have you found that the best people who have transitioned successfully have been able to, like, you know, obviously they, they go through your course, but then, um, you know, treat, treat it like exercise again. Like, okay, hey, um, rehab for an injury. They they got an injury. They went through rehab. Now they're in the strength and conditioning program. Okay, athletes done playing. They transition. They do this program. Is there touch points with you all again? Like, how does it work in an ideal world with um, the people that go through the, the course in their transition? Yeah, so I put, it, I, put it on the, um, I put it on the website where I was like, in the FAQs, I said, like, one of the questions I've written is like, is this a one-stop shop? And that ideally, like, obviously, yeah, it would be great if someone could come in, do the course and be like, right, I understand myself so much that this is going to be absolutely fine. I'm going to sail through life and I'm going to be a billionaire. Like, okay, great. Cool. Like, the reality is probably not. Um, and the, I think, like, what we, what we want to do with it is hopefully it just helps people understand enough that they can begin to move on and they can kind of attack their new career, their second career, like, with more velocity basically the other thing we've layered into it and i'm kind of looking at building a bit of community around it um as, as one one thing is like i think we're looking at but also from an accessibility standpoint like getting the proper care and like following up with this and diving deeper into something is again really inaccessible so like who do you go and see like even earlier on you're like what's the difference between the psychiatrist and the psychologist like who yeah like i know the answer but like only because my sister's one so like it even that kind of thing, or what kind of a therapist should I look for? Or what, you know, like, am I just being soft? You know, should I go and like, how do I do this um, is a barrier. So like one of the things we've done is like put in like preferential rates so that people can carry on and explore it further with Nicola if they want to, and it's not going to completely break the bank. Uh, Cause that's part of the reason like sporting organizations don't lay it on is cause it's expensive and it's expensive cause it's effective. <laughs> because and it's effective because it's clinically underpinned um and so we're trying to make it more accessible you know with within reason as well but yeah i think like it'd be great to like expand it out to a community like run events that's one of the big things you want to do with like it's not a money-making exercise at all like we don't neither of us are running it to like try and make money but if we get like enough people in and that kind of thing is like we'll just reinvest that money run events build a community like do all of that kind of stuff um because i think building a good network of like just unbelievably talented, motivated, goal-orientated, kind of like ruthless, relentless individuals, probably a good thing that they all know each other, you know? Um, and it's, I see all the time, like the rugby network's amazing uh, as, as one example. And even since launching this course, like so many people have been in touch from different sports and so I had like Olympians and like other rugby players I've never met. I've got a call with a guy tomorrow that I kind of played against throughout my career never really met him. And he was like, oh, I'd just love to catch up about this. Like, but you know, there's something in the idea of community, I think. Um, yeah. What's been the coolest thing for you now in your second phase, right? Like, you know, not only are you launching this, but now you, you talked about your other job. Like, that's pretty impressive. Like, you know, talk about your, you know, ability and then kind of use it as an inspiration to anybody that's, you know, listening, going through yeah, the same I think, thing. Um, yeah, do you know what? I've, I, I say to a lot of people, I basically built a business on the back of, the things I hated about professional sport 
is like right. that's basically the way I describe it. Like, yeah, I think it's surprising, like the man management and uh, just the ability to understand my own performance and stuff like that. There's a lot of politics in rugby and like my running my job, running my business now, doing my job is like I take a lot of inspiration from what I experienced in sport in terms of I want the reverse, basically. So I think like for other people, like I've built a business a lot on the back of values and all of those values I learned from sport. So like, you know, just things like the ability to work hard, like the ability to care for people around you, your understanding, because I come from a team sports background, like my understanding that nobody succeed, like succeeds on their own is pretty fundamental. And so while I get out of bed in the morning is because of I'm building something with other people. That's, that's what I love. And I love that sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. I love that it's all my fault. That's, that's like a thing that I love. And I don't think I'd have got any of that stuff from sport. And so to bring it back to the question, it's kind of the answer's often right in front of an athlete. And Nicola and I in the course talk a lot, well, Nicola does because she's the expert, talks a lot about values versus standards. And it's like being very, very driven on your values. So instead of, you know, because standards can get unhealthy. If you're like, I have to do these things for this reason. You know, if I, I, you know standards might be, I've got um, to eat perfectly in this way every day. Why? Oh, because I have to. Whereas values say, I want to perform the best I can. What can I, what is it I need to do to, to get there? And I kind of use that approach a lot. And I, I learned that just from, just from rugby. So my advice to athletes often is you might not yet know it. And that's why the course exists. You might not know it, but you have all of these tools that you just need to unlock. You just need to become aware of them and you need to become empowered to, to, and confident enough to just say, fuck it. This is who I am. And then what you need to do is just understand, uh, it's just do all the boring planning stuff and say, well, what am I interested in? Like, what kind of field do I want to go in? Uh, like, what, what, what do I value? What do I like doing? Oh, I like motivating people. Right, you might want to go into management. Oh, I like solving really complex problems. Right, well, go over here and do that. So it's kind of, my, my message always is like, athletes have all this ability and they've got all this, this these huge toolboxes to access. And once they understand that, and they can find a bit of direction, they're absolutely flying. Um, so yeah, I think that's an answer. I can't remember what the question was, I'm blabbering. No, that was, that was awesome. What would you say, again, not naming names, but like what has been some of the people where it's like, okay, hey, this this person, or maybe what are some common themes or heuristics of those that have struggled with the transition? So that way, if anybody listening, they're like, oh man, like kind of sounds like me. All right, like they're, if they're not aware enough of it because they're in that matrix, what are some of those? I think like there's some really tangible stuff like job hopping. So like if you if you leave and you just fall into an industry because you've got a contact that got you in somewhere and then you're kind of, you do a year or two and you're like, oh, just a bit bored. Like, what do I do now? Like, it's a really obvious sign, but that's often a sign of discontent because you've gone from doing a thing that you love all the time, being really motivated, and then you're being hit by not being motivated. And that's like a big diversion from your from what you're used to. Um, and I think like the biggest warning sign I always see is um, there's people telling you that it's like, you'll ask like, oh, how's, how's work or whatever. Like, so they say they've already transitioned you. How's, how's the job or whatever? And the biggest like telltale is they'll just go, oh, fine. It's like, is it? Because like, when you're a professional athlete, if you're like, what's it like being a professional athlete? I'll be like, it's my dream. And so if you go from being like, it's my dream to, yeah, 
then I'm sort of like, ah, like, ah, let's dig into that because it's probably not, you know. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, because I think hearing you talk about the fact that, like, hey, once you played sport, you become a coach. It's like, geez, how many of them, right? Strength Coach Network, how many times do you think that maybe that's been the, the, the reality of why people become strength coaches? I think, I think the thing coaches? is as well, it's like, I don't, um, I'm not saying it's like a cop-out. Or like, it, do you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's the path of least resistance. Yeah. And all I'm saying is, like, what if you had all the options? You might still end up there. That's, and that's cool. That's, that's ideal if you explored everything. Um, but... Yeah, going and playing rugby and then becoming a, a coach at the club that you were playing rugby at. I don't know. No, like you, it sounds like you're essentially saying like, hey, just don't be afraid to kind of explore yeah. and see what you do want to do because and you the never. The thing about like... being a professional athlete is you've typically got a lot of time to do that. So like when when I had injuries, like I was plagued with injuries, and uh, every time I was injured, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like. I was so bored. It was like an ongoing joke about how injured I was the whole time, right? But I got so bored because there's only so many coffees you can go for. There's only so many physio treatments you can have. Like, so in the end, I just started, like, I built a website. I started writing. I was doing some work for a software company. Not because I necessarily, like, thought, oh, shit, I've got to earn the money or whatever. It was just, I was so bored. I was like, I need to do something. And so you kind of have got the luxury of an athlete to begin exploring this stuff at the same time. And I think, you know, it's, but it's, but it's quite lazy advice to say, oh, go and get some work experience. Because it's like, well, in what? And that's where the course comes in. Because you're like, if you can understand what you care about and what you value, it will refine down the kind of things you can go get some work experience in um, and, and the kind of things you can explore. Um, yeah. What, um, what's the ways that people, you know, how do they get, They've been listening to us now talk for, you know, 40 minutes. How do, how do they find out more about this program? How do they get enrolled? Yeah, so it's tacklingtransition.com. Uh, very simple. You go on. Uh, there's a there's kind of a, an intro video that kind of explains what it's all about, a um, bit of some bios, and then there's like a uh, there's a sample lesson that you can access. And you can kind of get, the, get to grips with the content of the course. Um, and then also I'm posting pretty regularly, like mainly on LinkedIn at the moment, but I'm going to start sort of moving to Instagram a little bit as well. Just some snippets, so some like some previews of the discussions. So trying to surface some of that content so people can kind of get, get to grips with the kind of things we're talking about. Um, and they're all things that should resonate. Um, the thing about this is that it doesn't matter like how you're retiring, like it, it, it it's relevant. <laughs> like it doesn't matter whether you feel like you're not experiencing any, any like each of the seven modules, you might think, oh, that doesn't apply to me. You're like, it does. And even if it's you saying, I now know it doesn't apply to me, then you move forward, right? So yeah, tacklingtransition.com uh, and everything's on there. And then I'm just on socials talking about it a fair amount. Nicholas talking on socials a fair amount. Um, yeah, that's that. <clears throat> one, one last question I had as you were talking about it. Do you think playing um, and kind of like easing the transition from, like you said, high level, awesome pro, like, you know, playing some lower level or even club for, you know, my, my population of, you know, if you were in, you know, the, the NFL or if you were in, you know, the power five football and then you start to play some, you know, lower level community with friends, does that help? Or does that almost like, ah, it doesn't really scratch the itch. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's exactly what I did basically. So I was full time and then I dropped down to being part time in the same league. And then I dropped down a league and I, I built my business. So, um, it's, it's pretty much the perfect way to do it basically. 
is because it because you remove that sudden change like the sudden the sudden change is the is the big danger um and it just buys you time so i was very lucky like when i when i quit being full-time uh rugby i went to part-time but that paid me enough that meant i didn't have to get a decent job so i got a shit job in london i say shit in terms of like the pay was terrible but i didn't need to i didn't need it because i had the money from rugby where I could train two nights a week and play on a Saturday. And that made that made financial sense as, as two things. So what that did was it allowed me to explore, you know, it was very, very lucky really. Like it allowed me to explore building a career while also tapering off the rugby. And then it's ridiculous because the last seven years that I played, so I played 15 years, the, the, se the whole second half of my career was um, in the lowest league that I played. So in national ones, the third tier of English rugby. And at the same time I was building my career and it was by far and away the best, most enjoyable rugby I played by miles, by miles. And it, for some reason, I think it was just all about the balance that I had and like I had two purposes and while one purpose, the rugby purpose began to subside, like the other one grew. And like, yeah. so I think it's, I think that's the way to do it. Like if, if, if that luxury is afforded to you, it's, that's you just taking control, you know, it's, it's as simple as that. 100% agreed. I mean, I wish I had this when I was, you know, making you kind of wonder about what you're going to do, right? Like this, because like you said, for so long, you've known and there's scheduling and there's this and that. So if anybody, our listeners, uh, you know, be sure to check it out. We're going to drop it in the show notes. But, uh, you know, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on and talking about this and uh, have Pleasure. a good rest Likewise, of the day. Bro. Good to chat.